pouring out one for your homies. Mm-hmm. All right. It's a moment of silence, motherfucker. No, we can start. Shut. We're good. We have a moment of silence. We're pouring one out for the homies. Gotcha. And can we keep the motherfucker in? <laughs> We well, we there? did, we did, we did click it as a, as explicit on iTunes and Google Play. So we did. Well, didn't that get us bounced? And then we. Re- well, because I didn't. I thought that yes, initially when we submitted it, uh, we got bounced on both of them because I did not, ex- I did not click the explicit button, which led to about twenty minutes of me on Google Play trying to figure out where the hell the explicit button is, and it's not on Google Play. It's actually on the podcast homepage. Oh, gotcha. I have to do it through our podcast server site. Gotcha. And there, and then it gets sent over. So once I did that, they both were fine with our podcast. Overall, the Google Play was fairly pleasant to deal with, though, right? I mean, it was a pretty quick response. Yes. Um, Google Play, yes. They, with, it, like, the same day. Yeah. Um, Apple, it took a couple days, but the thing is, is that uh, it was also over a weekend. Oh, dang And it. so once, once, I, once I clicked that explicit checkmark box, it actually was a fairly smooth sweet situation so and uh do you get my text message the other day i you text me almost every day so the one about the podcast yes i did great thank you for not answering makes me feel loved well it didn't really require an answer it did a little gay or that's cool or hey thanks for letting me know and, and really quick shout out to you 27 people <laughs> <laughs> no. <That's> the... <clears throat> i didn't say 27 people I said 27 downloads <laughs> you know what <laughs> <laughs> but it's still i'm baffled by the two in singapore <clears throat> I am very accepting and appreciative of the two people in Singapore who've listened to our podcast. Yes. I just don't, I mean, I, that's awesome. Yeah. It just caught me off guard. I was not expecting a, a huge Singapore probably response. probably an accident. But. <laughs> probably they were looking for a completely different show. Yeah. And they listened to us and they were like, and it's weird because so far it seems like everybody has downloaded the Cardiac. Oh. That's the only one that's been downloaded as far as I can tell. Nice. Yeah. Well, I can see that Google <clears throat> search being common. Just Cardiac? Yeah. yeah. See that there. What are we going to talk about today? Well, anyway, real quick. Hey, thanks for listening to medical stuff. Uh, (laughs) My Mark. uh, My Mark? Yeah. I'm my Mark. I'm my Mark Frankham, and that's not my Chris Fingston. I am your Chris. You are, actually. Come on. Come on. Well, if you're going to tell me you have another Chris, then things are going uh, down. Yeah, that's a good point. Nope, you're my Chris. No. (laughs) I'll have to tell Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) I had a partner in Oklahoma who was a lesbian. And when I moved up here, she was upset that I was moving away. Sorry, cramp. No, you're okay. And uh, I was like, well, just move up to Washington to work with me. And she goes, okay, if I tell my mom that I'm moving to Washington for a guy, it'll just really mess her up at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, fair enough. So anyway, this evening we're going to be talking about anaphylaxis and allergic reactions. Or allergic reactions and anaphylaxis, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. Which comes first, Chris? Chicken or the egg? Uh, technically, anaphylaxis is an allergic reaction. Uh-huh. So, just on really big allergic reactions, I'd have to say probably allergic reaction slash anaphylaxis. Yeah. So, what is this? An allergic reaction. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, an allergic reaction is uh, basically your body's response to a perceived intruder. Right. And sometimes this is a decent response that makes sense. However, oftentimes we find ourselves allergic to things that really. We don't need to be allergic to. And when we start getting to the anaphylaxis realm of things, that is an overreaction. Mm-hmm. That is when the body's reaction to a perceived intruder has gone past the point of helpfulness and is actually harmful. Next step after that, though, is going to be anaphylactic shock. Right. Anaphylactic shock is where now we've gotten to the uh, to the point where we are 
are we're compromised. Right. Uh, we're no longer able to perfuse our brains. Right. Or we're heading down that path anyway. Real quick, let's go back to allergic reaction. Yeah. So, an allergic reaction, your body, this is part of your immune system response. Absolutely. It's uh, releasing histamines, and one of the reasons that they're talking about that people seem to be having more problems with their allergies. Yeah. And this is something that's very interesting to me, because I have very strong opinions about this, is our overuse of uh, septic techniques. Not as paramedics in our daily life. This is the people who have to have the sanitary uh, wipes. I almost said napkin. Totally different product. Uh, <laughs> uh, sanitary. You know, these are the people that have to wipe down the handle on their grocery cart. Mm-hmm. These are the people who have to have the Purell thing uh, bottle or a uh, antiseptic lotion. Bubble wrap their kids. Bubble wrap. Well, yeah. For germs. Yeah. You absolutely. know. Um so there are two different, there's a TH1 and a TH2 product in the system, an immunoglobin, I believe, that the purpose of TH1 is to stop TH2, right, from overreacting. Seems like a turbulent relationship. It does. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like you, Jesse, and Taffy. But I remember a certain conversation about how you went out to Seaside. And oh, yeah. You had, or you, Sherry, and blueberries. Oh, yes. Uh, so Sherry is... Sherry uh, would be the T1 in this thing, <laughs> and Chris would be the T2, and the blueberries would be the allergen. So I, I have to tell this story. <laughs> it, 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 it's a good one. Um, so Sherry, um, at the time of this story, she was a field training officer. She was my field training officer for that day. I'd actually traded with somebody else. Not important. We'd done... a. Um, a longer distance transport, and along the way, we saw, uh, you know, fresh produce. Roadside fruit stand. Yeah. And so, Sherry was like, hey, let's get some roadside fruit. I'm like, let's do this. And so, we get there. <laughs> From a stand, not just like off the road. <laughs> <laughs> it was an apple smash on the freeway. We picked the bits out, fought off the birds, and called it good. No, we, uh, and I love blueberries, still do. And uh, so, I grabbed some fresh blueberries. And uh, Okay, real quick. Define some. Uh, two I heard, cartons. Okay, I heard half a flat, so. Uh, um, <laughs> in my. Two th- quarts. Yeah. Okay, it, a lot of blueberries. It was a lot of blueberries. This was not one sitting's worth of blueberries. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it was. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had, uh, yeah, I'd sat down and I just started uh, eating blueberries and finally my hand went down and I hit the bottom of the carton. I'm like, the hell? And I looked at it and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> And at that point in my head, I realized, I have screwed up. <laughs> I have screwed up. And then Sherry is like, did you just did you just eat all those blueberries? <laughs> You're going to be paying for that. Uh, the next day, I worked with a different FTO. I walked in, I sat down in my chair, and I put a <laughs> bottle of Pepto-Bismol in the cup holder. <laughs> and he's like, what are you anticipating? Like, Not going to lie, man. Nothing good. <laughs> yeah. Had a ton of blueberries. <laughs> All last night, I don't see things stopping today. So, so yeah, so Sherry... Uh, Sherry she, would have been the T1 in this position. TH1, sorry, that did not do her job and stop you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was a TH2, and I was attacking those allergens. Exactly. Those delicious blueberry allergens. Uh, to the point that it was unhealthy. Right. You know? Uh, I also heard a similar story with you and Jesse and Saltwater Taffy. Where you ate the entire your entire bag of saltwater taffy this on is the way com- back from the coast. This is a common problem. But I'm going to point out. I'm going to point out 
no diarrhea from that. Oh, really? A lot of anticipated. Like, like I, I might have, like, maybe one or two loose stools. <laughs> but, like, not, it was not the blueberry epidemic. As opposed to uh, you and I did a transport, long distance transport, and you spent 25 minutes on the toilet because you'd been Jeez. eating cheese all week long. My dog, dog. <laughs> my dog had these medications and I was packing them in the cheese. And what I'd do is I'd take a whole cheese stick out. I'd rip off the end, pack the pill and throw it to the dog, and I'd eat the rest of the cheese stick. Well, you know what? She was getting two pills twice a day. So that's four cheese sticks a day. I swear to God, you were there for like 25 minutes. The best if I remember correctly was you actually made yourself almost pass out. I did. I was squeezing. Uh, I don't know if anyone's had the old cheese block go on in their life, but that's what I had. I had a... Uh... So, well, so here's the worst part. Uh, so the facility we had transported to um, was a religious-based facility. And uh, I'm sitting in this uh, restroom, and uh, I am... For a good chunk of this, I'm actually out in the ambulance wondering where the hell he is. Yeah, and I, I am, I'm working. I'm, I'm pushing hard uh, to a point that I start to actually feel like, oh, no, I vagled myself down. Now, medical touch here. Uh, oftentimes this can happen when someone's having a large mm-hmm. bowel movement, they can slow their heart rate, which is called a vagal response. We're not going to dig into that too right. much, but, uh, and that is what had happened. And I felt my heart rate go down. I started feeling lightheaded and I said to myself, I will pass out on this chair before. <laughs> could, but could you imagine sitting on the ambulance, a fire engine goes by, a rescue shows up. Where's my partner? Oh God. Yeah. Well, didn't, weren't they talking about people going to church oh, outside yeah. the door? And you were thinking, the unholy thing that's going on in this bathroom, I don't feel comfortable with. I texted you. I actually shot you a text <laughs> to explain what was going on. And I just said, considering what I'm doing in this restroom, uh, them talking about, yeah, something to that yeah. effect. Yeah, considering what, yeah. So anyway, back to anaphylaxis. <laughs> back to anaphylaxis. Uh, I'm not going to edit any of that. I, think I don't think so. Just, I think that's... Just I mean, the whole uh, blueberry story is actually germane to the conversation. I think it's a good, you know, ooh, yeah. germane to the conversation. I know. It's you. Yeah, 10-pound word right there. Absolutely. Boom, straight you know, out. You notice he measures that in pounds, uh-huh. Canadian. Yeah, I know. Actually, wait, is it, can, is it yeah. Canadian? Nice Google? to mess that one up, yeah. Yeah. They're metric. Everybody's metric except for America. Well, no, see, I was thinking pounds in terms of currency. No, 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 no. That'd be a loony would be a dollar. Gotcha. Up in, up a, one dollar, a one dollar coin in Canada is called a loony because it has a picture of a loon on it. No, gotcha. Yeah, pounds are British, and yeah, a pound coin yeah. actually weighs a pound. Oh, gotcha. Which okay. is not that big of a deal until you uh, pay for something with a twenty-pound note, and they give you sixteen pounds in coins back. Sounds like a problem. Yeah, it tends to pull you to the right. Well, you know you put what? In your pocket. And... That's how you cure obesity, right there. That's why we have that problem. No, because you're you're gaining pounds. Yeah, it's funny. I was about to say you made that conversation stupid, but I think I already put it there. <laughs> so I don't think... Uh... Anyway, anaphylaxis. Anaphylaxis. So what's your reaction? So basically, uh, so back to what I was talking about, this uh, this theory okay. that one of the reasons why, uh, allergic reactions and anaphylactic reactions are becoming more common mm-hmm. uh, is because we are sanitizing our world to the point that our body is not using that stop TH1. Sherry's not telling you to stop enough. <laughs> and so we're having more, uh, we're having such a stronger response because your body is never being challenged. So is the idea that we have an underproduction of TH1 because it's not being used? Right. Okay. Yeah, the response is not the same. So, yeah. 
This is one of the reasons why it worked. When everybody else is masking up, I don't. Now, TH1 and TH2 are two components of histamine, correct? Yes. Okay. So, the reason I am passionate about this whole how much antiseptic ointments, creams, lotions, whatever we use is Mm -hmm. because, yeah, we create superbugs by doing this. This is how you get your... MRSA, your methicillin resistant Staphylococcus aureolus. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you really like Jermaine. I figured I'd go for the Gus one. That, or your vancomycin resistant. Absolutely. You know. Uh, Which, by the way, these are two diseases that have been impacting paramedics more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you, if, you're getting into the, if you're getting in the field, that is an interesting read. And that number is on the rise. It's not on the fall. No. In terms of uh, healthcare, healthcare professionals getting MRSA. Well, we all carry it. Yeah. There have been studies done where they do nasal swabs and all healthcare workers, like 98% of healthcare workers who've been in the, in the business over like a year mm-hmm. are carriers of MRSA. The thing about MRSA is if you have a, if you have a healthy immune system, you don't have anything to worry about. If you have a compromised immune system, those are the people that get these infections. Absolutely. And these are the infections that are not being treated by your common antibiotics because they've been overused. And things can happen in your life to compromise your immune system. Right. Uh, diseases. Treatments for diseases. Yeah. Uh, natural problems like uh, psoriasis, which is an autoimmune or any sort of autoimmune uh, diseases where you Absolutely. have to go on immunosuppressants. Mm-hmm. Cancer patients. So and this goes on. Right. Goes on, goes on, goes on. So anyway, yes, we're creating these superbugs. Anyway, allergic reactions. <laughs> we are all over the place tonight. So an allergic reaction, um, that's going to be a response to a perceived allergen. This is your peanuts. It's your bee stings. Uh, it's uh, some sort of invader the body wants to right. keep in one spot. It's your hay fevers. Yeah. It's your you know, your yearly just allergic reactions. And one of the common responses to that is the body releases histamine. Now, I already broke histamine down. Uh, but histamine does uh, a couple of things. One of the things that it does, which becomes a problem in anaphylaxis, but one of the things that it does do is that histamine is sent by the body to a perceived, by, perceived by the body to be a, 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 an impacted or I guess you could say infected area, if that's right. not even, yeah. Um, which, by the well, way, it also releases histamines for scratches and trauma as well. Right. Well, this is your body's way of protecting yourself against infection. Yeah. And this it is causes... your white blood cell release. It's your swelling of the areas. It, engor- it becomes engorged with blood to yeah. um, help treat those in- or fight those infections. And what it does is it causes the small blood vessels in the area, which are called capillaries, uh, to dilate. They yeah. become bigger. And that increases blood flow. It does, uh, And that's going to do two things. It's going to allow... Uh, things that the body uh, needs to get to the site to get there better, and it's also going to allow the removal of waste right. uh, as well. Now, the problem is is that too much histamine can cause a lot of this vasodilation, and your blood vessels get bigger. And if you've listened to any of our other podcasts, we've made this uh, analogy before, but your cardiovascular system is a pump, it's got some pipes, and it's got a fluid, and it's got fluid in it. Mm-hmm. And if the pipes get bigger, but you don't have more fluid, the pressure drops. Well, you just talked about a vagal response where it drops your heart rate. Absolutely. The pump slows down, the pressure drops. Right. And so that's what we start seeing, and that's where we start getting going down the road of anaphylactic shock. Well, shock, any type of shock is a lack of perfusion to the brain. Mm-hmm. There are different types of shock, of which anaphylaxis is one of them. There's neurogenic shock. There's hypovolemic. Hy- hypovolemic. There's, you know, uh, septic shock. Cardiogenic. <clears throat> Cardiogenic. So 
anything that causes your blood pressure to drop off for an extended period of time, thereby depriving your brain of blood, mm-hmm. is going to have an adverse long-term effect. Absolutely. You know, an allergic reaction, in and of itself, you don't run into this because it's a localized reaction. Mm-hmm. This is... You brush up against something while you're out walking in the woods and it gets really itchy and you get some dermatitis. You go home and you wash it off. Absolutely. Um, this is your nose is stopped up for the three months out of the year because of all the, the hay fever or the pollen or the cottonwood trees. And a lot of that is inflammation in your sinuses mm-hmm. from a histamine release. And, right. Yeah. You know, it makes it hard to breathe. You're constantly stuffed up. What can happen there long term is if you don't get that cleaned out effectively is that you'll end up with a sinus infection. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, one of our paramedics, uh, twice a year, used to lose her voice. Oh. Yeah, Cherry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, off I don't break. know why I'm laughing. I don't find that funny. Uh, by the no, way. but you, know, you could you could tell spring and fall by Cherry lost her voice on the radio. Gotcha. You know. And it used to drive her crazy because people, you know, talk about it, make point of it. And she just wanted to go on with her, with her life of... Being miserable because her sinuses were, were acting up on her. there's EMS, and we just don't let it go. No, no, no. Any sort of perceived weakness. It's like a pack of lions, you know? Any sort of perceived weakness, and we're going to pounce on you. Well, I'm not going to say his name, but one of the other supervisors, recent supervisor, just talked about him. Uh, he is actually a, a professional, as the Europeans would say, football player. Or was, rather. Played for Germany and the Philippines. Oh, really? Actually, you can even play as him uh, in FIFA 2014. Really? Yes, now, given there's literally about a thousand players in that game. But, right, uh, but still. Yeah. Are so, you in a video game? I could be. <laughs> You're not. Dang it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he uh, he did that. And so, and so, of course, being the friends that we are, we Google search this immediately. Oh, yeah. And one of the early results is one where it says, Philippine football hotties. And it has a picture of him, and beneath it is captioned, ooh la la, and then it has his name. <laughs> oh, you need to print that out. And oh, it already is. Go yeah. to Soup's office. It's actually hung up. They actually cut off the ooh la la part because they didn't want that in there. But right. He, but he signed it. Yeah, <laughs> no, he actually messed up his knee. Oh, nice. Yeah, he said that that was uh, that was kind of one of the things that um, that it, that ended his career. He'd been playing Oh, I thought you said he messed up his name. No, knee. Knee, got it. Oh, no, that's oh, not nice. At first I'm like, okay, Frankum. Um, <laughs> no, I thought when he signed it, you meant he messed up his name. That he would be hilarious. Yeah. yeah but no. That's why I was, yeah. So No, he messed up his knee, and then he said he, he tried to recover from that, but just wasn't the same. Couldn't be as quick on the field. Right. And wow. just couldn't compete after that. So, so. that's, man, just talking to people. Yeah. Just finding out what's going on with Well, them. you know, and he speaks Tagalog. Really? And so he was, well, he grew up in the Philippines, and that's right. there. Yeah, and it's funny because he was sitting there, and he's like, I asked him one day, because he started actually speaking a little bit of Spanish. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, you speak Spanish? She goes, no, nah, I speak a, I mean, I speak a little Spanish. He's like, but, you know, I speak Tagalog. And he's like, so, sorry, not that useful. <laughs> we had a patient day. All they spoke was Tagalog. Really? Yeah. And all of a sudden, he starts talking. And all the fire department's just like, whoa. <laughs> and finally, I, bet the pa- I bet the family were and the patient were very relieved. Oh, yeah. Well, and then they, they even go to me like, is that and I'm like obviously it's the Tagalog. Well, <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't know it was Tagalog. Oh, okay. I know now because right. of this call, and then and I'm like obviously that's uh, look over at uh, him and he goes Tagalog. It's Tagalog. It's Tagalog. Like, <laughs> you monkey. Seriously, you, you don't speak Tagalog. Come on. Seriously. So uh, allergic reaction. So you've had this. Uh, you've had this reaction. So when you move into anaphylaxis, yeah, this is an overreaction of your body to the point that you can have 
a systemic response. Absolutely. As opposed to allergic reaction, which is localized to one area, a systemic response, you're having this all over your body. Now, if your ankle becomes swollen because of this, eh, it's going to be uncomfortable. Where you run into problems is when your throat and your tongue start swelling. And you start cutting off your airway. Absolutely. Uh, trachea will literally, tissue in the trachea will literally become inflamed mm -hmm. and suffocate you. Right. Yeah. Uh, on top of your entire body, the basal, you know, having the vasodilation of the entire body. Mm -hmm. And again, making that container bigger drops your blood pressure. Yeah. So now your body, as Chris was talking about earlier, bringing the, the, these things into the area and getting rid of waste, it can't get this stuff back out. And this is what makes anaphylaxis uh, so deadly. Well, specifically anaphylactic shock so deadly. Mm -hmm. It's because in addition to this hypoperfusion, you're also blocking off the airway. So the blood that is getting around isn't oxygenated very right. well. And, and it's getting around less. Absolutely. And so, and there are some treatments for it, but aside from those treatments, uh, and we'll talk about those in a bit. Do you want to talk about them now? No, yeah, we'll do it here in a little bit. Okay. We'll talk about them in a bit, but um, those, you know, not every treatment is always going to be effective. And it is, it is possible to run into an anaphylaxis call where epinephrine we'll talk about in a little bit, which is kind of seen as the uh, antidote right. for this, essentially, is that people even refer to it. Mm -hmm. um, you can give them epinephrine. It's going it, to, it's, it's helpful it's not going to solve it for you. Right. Not all the time. And this is well, where Well, because the amount of epinephrine you might have... To, well, anyway, we'll get into the epinephrine here in a little bit. So you've had this huge systemic release. It can actually close your airway. Yep. And that's one of the defining things about anaphylaxis is we see systemic erythemia, which is redness of the skin. You'll see hives over part of the body or all of the body. And then you start having this tongue swelling, throat swelling, where the person actually can become hoarse. And it affects your ability to talk on top of their, yes, I know I said horse. You can start laughing. No. I had a patient whinny for me the other day because I wanted to see if they sounded horse. This, was this patient you in the mirror? Because that sounds like something that was. No, 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 no. It was a burn patient. <laughs> what did the Shetland pony uh, who had a sore throat say? I don't know. Excuse me. I'm a little horse. So you're going to swell your, swell your airways. Payback set. for your joke last episode. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you're starting to have the systemic response. You drop off your blood pressure. You drop, you know, you're, you're closing off the airway. Now, the thing about, the tricky thing about this is a lot of people will have an immediate reaction. But that's not necessarily true. There are a number of people, I've gone on patients where it's upwards of 45 minutes to an hour before they start having a problem. And it can still kill them. So just because you get exposed to an allergen and nothing seems to happen doesn't mean that it's not going to. Yeah, this lady was allergic to onions and she went by it. She drove by an onion processing plant 45 minutes earlier and now she's at home. And I'm like, okay, because she's talking to me. She's looking at me. She's completely coherent. So what's going on? As I'm sitting there, she started deteriorating in front of me. Damn. Yeah. That's no good. Uh, I ran a gentleman who had an internal anaphylactic reaction. No external signs whatsoever. It was uh, over something he ate. So, speaking of exposures, do you have to be exposed to an allergen first? Do you have to have a, at least a one prior exposure to an allergen before you can have an anaphylactic reaction? I don't believe so. 
I think that was an initial theory a while ago, but I don't think the evidence to support it's very strong. Well, the thing is, is that you can, and this is a, this is another problem that can come along with it, is that I've been exposed to this hundred times before, never had an issue, mm-hmm. or I've had a minor issue, and now that minor issue has turned into anaphylactic shock. Right. I used to work with a guy who loves avocados. I love avocados. He's allergic to them. That's terrible. He takes a Benadryl anytime he's going to have avocado. Oh, jeez. Right? And I'm like, and this is a paramedic. Yeah. And a smart paramedic. And I'm like, you realize that your reaction, your reaction is going to get worse every single time. It's the degree to which it gets worse. It may be negligible. It may not be. I so said, you realize that your reactions are going to continue to get worse. He goes, yeah, I figure the first time I have to use an EpiPen for it, I'll stop eating avocado. Wow. Well, you know what? At least he knows his boundaries. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, the concept was that you had to be exposed to it once for your body to have that initial, being the immune system. You get a cold, you should not get that form of the cold again because your body now knows how to react to it. So I think the theory comes from, well, to have the reaction to the allergen, you had to have been exposed to it once for you to have the rea- the overreaction the second time. And I don't think that's, I think they've, they're finding that that is not necessarily true. At least from what I, from what I, and that was actually a harder thing to, because that was always burned in my head. Mm-hmm. You have to have this exposure first before it can go there. Right. So the first time you get stung by a bee, you're not going to have an anaphylactic reaction. Yeah. And, but then actually kind of digging into some of the articles and the research out there, it's a difficult thing to track down because a lot of that research is going to rely on someone's memory of the exposures they've had in their life. Right. And how accurate is that? Right. So. Well, I mean, if it's a bee sting, that's one thing. But if it's peanuts? Who knows? Right. Peanuts are everywhere. Exactly. You know. Um, so, allergic reaction, don't necessarily have to have a, uh initial reaction to it. But every time you're exposed to an allergen, it will get a little bit worse or a lot worse. And so you can be exposed a hundred times. Yeah. And not really have that bad of a reaction. And the hundred and first time or the... 302nd time or the fifth time you have an anaphylactic reaction right now once you have that first reaction you will then have anaphylactic reactions from then on out yeah you don't go backwards (laughs) in this so medications right what's the gold standard well, the gold standard for anaphylaxis or an anaphylactic shock is going to be epinephrine. But we can also back up a little bit. I'm going to talk about Benadryl just for just for a pinch. Okay. So Benadryl, a lot of people are familiar with Benadryl. Mm-hmm. If you have uh, seasonal allergies, I can almost guarantee you have some in your medicine cabinet now. Right. And what Benadryl does is it's a histamine blocker. So Mark and I had already talked about that histamine response that kind of leads to this problem uh, that we talk about. Benadryl is as simple as it sounds. It just stops that uh, that histamine response. That would have been Sherry moving the blueberries out of Chris's reach. Absolutely. Um, and so without that histamine uh, response there, you don't get uh, that uh, vasodilation or that vascular dilation that uh, causes the uh, drop in pressure along with some of the swelling. Uh, you don't get those things. The issue that uh, with Benadryl, though, is that it's isn't extremely useful in the case of severe anaphylaxis. No, it's almost useless. Yeah, because by the time we're down that road, the histamine response is done. It's just um, not strong enough. Yeah, and, and the histamine response is, is already kind of doing its damage. And so uh, epinephrine, 
which is what we talked about. And if you're familiar with EpiPens, right. this is the drug that's in there. Epinephrine is also made by your body naturally mm-hmm. every single day. It's half of natural adrenaline. Absolutely. Um, anyway, uh, an epinephrine is a uh, is a chemical that your body releases as part of your fight or flight uh, well, response. For those of us not in America, it's adrenaline. Absolutely. Same thing, yeah. And so what ends up happening is the fight or flight response requires different things of your body. What it does is it wants to constrict blood vessels mm-hmm. to allow blood to flow uh, elsewhere. And it wants to widen airways to allow you to get more oxygen. Because in a fight or flight response, your body's saying, let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. Let's move. Or we're going to, your body's anticipating an exceptional amount of exertion. Absolutely. It also just so happens that because the histamine is in the opposite of that, Giving epinephrine helps fight those problems, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. It does work very well. Uh, the common dosage for adults is a uh, 0.01 milligrams per kilogram, up to a max of 0.3 or 0.5, depending on who you talk to. So yeah. a third or a half a milligram injected into your muscle or your subcutaneous area, mm-hmm. um, and that is a one to one thousand concentration. So you're putting in 0.3 of a cc or 0.5 of a cc, depending on your dose of this epinephrine straight into a muscle. And a clarification of subcutaneous. Uh, subcutaneous basically just means just right underneath the skin. Um, your EpiPen is going into your muscle. Mm-hmm. And that's a very simple device that you you jam it into your thigh and it has a needle that pops out and stabs you and automatically injects mm-hmm. a specific dose. It's an auto-injector. Yeah, Now, absolutely. if the patient is a pediatric patient, it'll be half that dose. It'll be 0.15. Yeah. Just because... Being a child, they don't need as much. And yes, this will go, and it works when it works, and it works most of the time. It works very quickly. Yeah, it works. It's very amazing quickly. how quickly it works. It has some side effects: uh, anxiety and increased heart rate. Those are all going to be part of this. Well, it is adrenaline. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. Right. I do have one quick story, and I'll get back to you. And I think a lot of people, um, I've heard variations of the story, and and a lot of times whenever I hear someone tell a story like this, I'm always like, "Ah, it's not true," but I have lived this story. Um, did you pick a car up off a baby? No. Oh. I did not. Okay. Um, but anyway, <laughs> although good, good. That's, yeah. No, uh, it was in, in EMT school. It was an instructor that actually stuck themselves with one of these things. Mm-hmm. And I've heard other people tell similar stories. Um, but what ended up happening... Now, here, to be honest, I didn't see the actual sticking. We had different stations, and we were going around the stations, and they were showing just different medications. And I was, I don't know, I don't remember which one I was on, because it was totally overshadowed by this. And apparently this uh, instructor had forgotten that they had a real EpiPen and not a trainer. <laughs> and all of a sudden, what I, the part that I saw was he just goes, we hear the students like make a ruckus. He just goes darting right by my group and into the restroom. Holding an EpiPen, what I thought, what he had done is he was sitting there and goes, yeah, and then this plunger goes down. He had his thumb on top of it. Uh, by the way, for anyone out there, the trainers are black. The real ones are bright red. If it's bright red, it's real. Mm-hmm. And he pushed his thumb and it's like, oh, that must be a thigh. Time to go, boys. And it shut. Yeah. And it <laughs> shut. And, and the needle actually came up uh, bottom side of his thumb. Luckily, it was just kind of right here. And it had a okay, popped up. Chris is indicating the section of his thumb but from between the edge of his thumb and the thumbnail. Sorry, I Because forget. right here does not help in an audio format. Oh, you know, here. There. <laughs> well, you can't see that, Mark? So it missed the underside of his nail. No, it did It did hit the underside of his nail. Oh, okay. Yeah, it came, it came up. That sounds painful as hell. It was right on the border. He looked unhappy. Yeah. 
He looked unhappy. Yeah. Long story short, needle from the bottom of the thumb through the uh, through the thumbnail. So. Yeah, and then of course you've also you're getting all that you're getting that epinephrine. So he's going to have the increased heart rate. Mm-hmm. He's going to have the anxiety. He's going to have the agitation. Yeah. So yeah, I'm those saying. are very common common side effects when you give these. Uh, the other thing you got to worry about is if you give more than one injection, giving them in the same muscle. Because being a vasoconstrictor, if you get too much epi into a muscle, it can actually restrict blood flow to that muscle to the point that it does some damage. Yeah. Well, and I'd also imagine you wouldn't get good circulation of the epi after right. a while. Yeah. So uh, as paramedics, we can give the epinephrine IV. Right. We can also hang an epinephrine drip as well. Now, uh, I was talking about before, the, ep- the auto-injector is 1 to 1,000 epi. What that is, that's 1 milligram of epinephrine in 1 cc of normal saline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's important because when we give the IV dose, it's actually one to ten thousand. So it's one milligram of epi in ten cc's of fluid. So it's a much more diluted uh, dose of this, or sorry, much more diluted concentration, even though it's the same dose. And what that is is that is to make sure that you're not doing damage to the vasculature as you're injecting it through the IV. Yeah. Then we have the epi drip. Right. Uh, so the epidrip, the uh, fairly standard dosage is uh, two micrograms per milliliter. Uh, we put one cc in a five hundred cc bag. Yes. And or one milligram in a five hundred cc bag to give us that concentration, and then you start out with one cc per minute, so two micrograms per minute, and you increase that rate until you get relief of symptoms. Yeah. And that's just a constant infusion. Now, Chris was talking about earlier where the injection may not fix the problem. A lot of times it does. You give one shot. I would say uh, in uh, with all but one uh, anaphylaxis call that I've ever run, um, it's always it's always fixed. Yeah, on the first shot. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, we uh, we are aside that guy. Yeah, through an EJ. So, so what Chris is talking about is uh, rapid sequence intubation. So what they did is they started an IV in a vein in the outside of the patient's neck, the external jugular. That was the EJ. Right. Uh, And then they administered paralytics so they could intubate the patient, which is the tube down the throat into the trachea, thereby maintaining the trachea open. And how this helps is their trachea then can't swell shut. Their tongue can't block their airway because all your air is going through the tube. Yeah. So that was was one of the way we... uh, So out of those, all the times you've done it, when it didn't work... It horribly didn't work. And, and I will actually, I will tell you, that was one of those calls where it you didn't feel like you were running the call. You felt like you were chasing it. Mm-hmm. It just kept getting away from us. Sometimes you're just riding the wave. Mm-hmm. And uh, he survived that day. This was actually, a lot of paramedics actually are familiar with this particular patient. You're, yes, I know exactly who yep. you're talking about. Uh, this He passed. He did. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, he... He was a nice guy, but he had this belief. He he had a, an issue with modern medicine, and he strongly believed that marijuana would uh, resolve his allergic reactions. And so that's when we would go on him, see he'd have an allergic reaction, and instead of taking using his EpiPen, uh, or he I mean, he had an EpiPen, he had an albuterol inhaler, he had several different things. Instead of doing that, um, he would smoke a bowl. And the problem with doing that, and I'm not. I really hope we can avoid an internet debate about the benefits of marijuana. Um, but the problem is anytime you have a closing airway and you fill it with any smoke, be it marijuana, tobacco. Well, it's an irritant. Yeah. And you, yeah, you fill it with anything. 
it's not going to help your situation. Right. You know. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, oh, albuterol. Right. So albuterol is, uh, most people see as uh, know as the inhaler, the puffer. Yeah. A lot of places just, uh, you know, kind of shot. Well, you can also get albuterol in a nebulized form. Yeah. Which is actually how we give it on the ambulance. And a lot of times they give it in the hospitals. And, and uh, patients can have it at home. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> you know, over here. <laughs> Asthma patients are very familiar with this medication. COPD patients. Yes. Uh, it's a, uh, what it is, is it's a, it's a bronchodilator. And what that means is it the... It makes your uh, horse bigger. <laughs> it's a bronchodilator. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's an O.J. Simpson joke in there, too. I think oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Don't know if we have time to work that out right now, but nah. maybe for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, it makes the pathways uh, in your lungs bigger, so you can help get uh, more oxygen in. And as we've already mentioned, anaphylaxis does not make your pathways bigger. It makes them smaller. So a medication like albuterol is fantastic. So after epi, we could think about giving an albuterol treatment. Absolutely. It is a, it, the difference is... Because even we can, for certain conditions, we can give nebulized epi. Yes. The problem is with anaphylaxis is you have to get aggressive with it. Mm-hmm. Because if you're getting to anaphylactic shock, it would be like taking a 45 caliber to fight a bear. Yeah. At that point. Yes, you're going to do some damage to it, but you're not really going to do the job. But if you have a three fifty seven or a forty four mag, go grab that. Instead. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, with anaphylaxis and anaphylactic shock, you want to hit them with the big guns so that you take care of the problem, and then you can follow up with things like albuterol. Yeah, because that's going to help with the the more finite uh, agitation of the airway system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, kind of further down the line, we start talking about treatments like steroids, which is very controversial. Yeah, it is. Um, we also, and going back to Benadryl, that's also fairly controversial in anaphylaxis. Because there's a group of people who are like, well, it's not going to hurt. It's an antihistamine. Yes, it's not going to fix anaphylaxis, mm. but it's going to be a more long-acting. I mean, it's more more bullets in your gun sure. at this point, but it's not going to well, fix the, the problem. Well, you today. Well, you are know. you sure you're Canadian? You sound American. <laughs> I lived in Oklahoma. I'm sorry, not American. You sound sure. United States of America. You Thank you. Thank you. You're prejudiced son of a bitch. <laughs> so, uh, no, but I mean, if you give the epinephrine, you know, a lot of times we'll give Benadryl with that, after that. And the thing is, is that, like I said, well, yeah, it's going to help. It won't hurt. But the problem is with the people who are ad- or, or not or against this, is that it's not really even helping. Yeah. It doesn't do enough to actually help the situation. And are we giving this and delaying treatments that would? Right. Okay. And that's why the treatment is always epi. Yeah, for epi anaphylaxis, first. epi. If you're found to be starting an IV and giving Benadryl first, there's going to be an issue. Right. You're going to get some eye rolls. Exactly. More, probably more than just eye rolls. Yeah. Um, so epi is going to be your gold standard for these situations. Uh, Benadryl, like I said, right now, it's kind of one of those things that's up in the air because... It doesn't hurt, but it doesn't help. No, it doesn't hurt, but it probably doesn't help. Yeah. When you start getting along to steroids, because of the huge problems that go along with steroids, uh, it can cause hyperglycemia. It can, you know, there's uh, a whole litany of side effects of steroids. Mm-hmm. And what they're finding is, is that the benefits from it are negligible. Oh, yeah. If any. Really? 
Yeah. I was reading, uh, there have been two studies done by a Canadian. Uh, Hospital, Canadians, uh, leading the way. Oh, sorry. Uh, Sorry, I gave you some uh, steroids there, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, and they found that what they were looking at was a five-year post study of patients who were treated for anaphylaxis. And they were looking at patients who received, I think it was, I want to say it was like a 2,700 patient pool. So a decent sized pool. That's a good sample size. You know. Um, and they were looking at readmits to the hospital for over the course of the week mm-hmm. and uh, subsequent deaths. That was just, just for anaphylaxis or were we uh-huh. throwing in COPD patients as nope, well? No, this or? is just for anaphylaxis. Oh, cool. So that is a good sample size for that particular right. diagnosis. Uh, because of the thing is, is that the benefits of steroids in COPD patients and stuff like that are greatly increased. The, the thing they're finding out is that it's one of those things that I think came from, and unfortunately, a lot of things in medicine are this way, of this should work. Yeah. It works in this situation, so it should work. This is where we got mast pants from. Yes. So, mast pants were their military anti-shock trousers. Works great for fighter pilots. It does. So, these are trousers that the fighter pilots wear that when they're in high G turns will inflate to keep their blood pressure up. Because if they're doing a high G bank, high, uh, what will happen is all their blood will be forced into their lower extremities. It also helps them turn the uh, tenors into sopranos for the right. military choirs. Exactly. Cool. Um, so, as they do these high-speed banks or turns in their plane, and all the blood's being pushed to their lower extremities, these pants would tighten up, restricting the ability for the body to do that, keeping their blood pressure up. So they wouldn't pass out while they're flying, which when you're flying a multi-million dollar or billion dollar plane, you really don't want the pilot asleep at the wheel. So, uh, well, so, hey, it works great in this situation. So it should obviously work in EMS for patients who are trauma patients. So for many years, if you were in a bad accident or you had a major trauma and your blood pressure was dropping, they would put these on. They would inflate them up with the thought that it is auto transfusing that blood from your legs back into your central system, giving your heart and your brain and your lungs more blood to work with. After some studies, I found that wasn't working out. And like I said, this happens a lot in medicine. Uh, because when it comes to the human body, a lot of people think that emergency rooms fix problems or doctors fix problems. Well, it's this. No, what doctors are finding out is everything it isn't. And then they take the highest probability of what's left. Yeah. This is one thing I did like about the show House. Right. Because that's exactly what he did. Oh, it's this. Okay, it's not that. Well, then it's this. And it's not that either. So it must be this. (laughs) You know? And so, yeah, it's, you you know, with the steroids, the concept was, well, it helps these COPD patients. We have a similar set of circumstances in anaphylaxis. It should work there, too. And what they found is that steroids versus no steroids you're not getting that huge benefit that you do with your anaphylaxis pa- or with your COBD patients, mm-hmm. but you're still getting the litany of problems that go along with it. Gotcha. And so, um, just the, the risk assessment there. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, yes. You're willing to, it's like, uh, in stroke patients, giving them a, uh, when you have a patient who's got a clot type stroke or thrombolytic stroke, you give them a clot buster. And back in the day when they would just give it IV, yeah, there's a benefit, but there's also a risk. Because we could get rid of the clot, but we could cause a bleed. Right. And so, yeah, you have to take the benefit-risk factor in all of this. And they're finding, I think, so far, the literature is leaning towards that there's just not enough benefit. 
See, what other treatments are there at this point? Because we talked about epinephrine being the big one. Yeah. We talked about when epinephrine doesn't work, intubation, right. those kind of things. Right. Um, I think probably the only thing, the only treatment we haven't really gone over is those hazmat suits that just actually cause a positive pressure so you're never exposed to the allergen in the first place. <laughs> That's more of a prophylactic, uh, <laughs> prophylactic care there. Yeah, you get into a suit that doesn't let you have any contact with your surroundings. Um, but you know, then you don't make those uh, what, TH1s? Uh, the T, well, your TH1s don't have to do the job of stopping the TH2s. Absolutely. Yeah. And you don't end up with Pepto-Bismol the next day at work. <laughs> so, um, do you have anything else? No, that just about does it for me. Yeah. It's kind of a short episode, but, you know, we've covered the information. So, thank you for listening. Hopefully, we'll talk to you again soon. And, as always, please, please, please tell all your friends about us. Yeah. And if you like our show or you at least tolerate our show, please give us a good review on iTunes and Google Play because that's how it uh, helps other people find us. Yeah, we're on Twitter, aren't we? We are on Twitter. at uh, I don't remember our Twitter handle right now. I can't remember if it's medical stuff or medside stuff. Nailing this. Yes. So, rocking. All right, well, I'm Chris. I'm Mark. Bye. Toast. Toast.